Welcome to No Compromise, where faith and reason fuse in conversation. Hello, Johnny. Hello, my love. Hello, everyone. Okay, so what's new? I ask you that every week. Yep. I'll try this week. You never Um, know what's new. But perhaps you and I are now on a new trajectory in Mm -hmm. life. Yep. And we're open to whatever God brings our way. Yep. And that means if anyone has any speaking engagements that they would like for us to engage in, Mm -hmm. we're open. We're ready to go. Exactly. And we've got nothing tying us here anymore. Right. Right. And of course, our photography business is taking us in interesting places and we would be willing to travel for that too. Yes. Okay. So you posted your chatter view. That's what we're calling your interviews slash chats with listeners. Right. You posted your chatter view with Dr. Charles Howell the the past two Mondays for the Christian Atheist. Right. Hopefully people are enjoying that. Mm -hmm. And that was actually a really good discussion. It was a lot of fun with Charles. He is a bright, intelligent. Fun. And and fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We had a lot of fun for sure. And um, we have a lot of similarities in our testimony. And it's kind of interesting that Charles didn't even come to Christ until he was in his 70s. Yeah. And I thought I was late in coming. He kind of went the communist route. You went the atheist (laughs) route, right? Exactly. Yep. And boy, it took him a long time to come around. Mm -hmm. And yet, clearly, uh, when you listen to the interview, his love and commitment to the Lord is exemplary. Yeah. Okay. The link to those episodes should be in the description here if you haven't had a chance to listen to them. And your talk with Dr. Howe came right after you had just started to introduce a new series. Yes. Our new series on JEDP, the curse tablet and (laughs) modern theology and biblical criticism by C.S. Lewis. You combine those three. Right. So first you introduced the series with the JEDP documentary hypothesis. Right. And that link will be in here. I mean, it's kind of screwed up because you did that. Then you did Charles Howell. Right. Two weeks. And now you're getting back to that. Right. And now we have to finish this series. And Mm -hmm. I, I assume, although we're still in the process of writing them, that there will be three more, but we'll Mm -hmm. see how that pans out as we move forward. Okay, so yeah, so like I said, you were interrupted in the best sense with yes. Dr. <laughs> with Dr. Howell's interview, and now you're continuing in the series. All right, so that scattered explanation is sort of a word image of your desk <laughs> and your environment in general, right? Right, isn't right. that? So our listeners would not be surprised to learn that Jenny's <laughs> desk is immaculately clean and mine is a bit of a wreck. Um, but that is the nature of uh, our separate minds. Hers is certainly far more organized Organized. than mine. And And she has been immensely helpful in organizing (laughs) me and getting me to the point of being able to competently manage these three podcasts that we do every week. So my lover and my best friend is also uh, my secretary <laughs> and makes me capable of surviving in the professional environment that we're engaged in. But you are in. a concentrated mess. 
I do, yes. And those are the messes I like the best. <laughs> They're concentrated in one little area. <laughs> yes, I do not tend I, – I, I actually am very careful about making sure that I don't spread out into the other areas of common living. <laughs> okay, so today we'd like to discuss C.S. Lewis's essay that we mentioned before – that you're going to be discussing in The Christian Atheist. Right. It's good timing yeah. to be talking about this in a yeah. sort of general sense. You talked about it already on Monday. Right. Like you introduced it on Monday, right? I actually introduced it in our very first yeah. one in this series, and it will be playing an important yeah, role it kinda, throughout the series. Yeah, it kind of is like hovering over the whole series. Right. Okay, so Which that's... C.S. Lewis does in all of our yeah, work, Yeah, that's of true. That is true. So that's why we discussed we decided to discuss this particularly. One of the things is we discussed a lot of C.S. Lewis essays. We have, yes. But this one we didn't, huh? No, we haven't done this one before yet, no. Are there other ones that we didn't discuss? Oh, many. Oh, yes. okay. That you did on Simple Gifts. Right, absolutely. Oh, okay. okay. I think I've read almost this entire book, All right. which is called Christian Reflections. Okay. into our Simple Gifts essays. All right. So there's okay. plenty more to do. We've just sort of not done all of them because of the many things that have intruded yeah. in the course of this year. Yeah, that's true. So let me first say that you have read this essay for our Simple Gifts podcast. So if you don't have time to read it for yourself, you can listen to John read it on our Simple Gifts podcast via the link in the description. Okay, so let's begin with the, the background information as we always do. The author is C.S. Lewis. The title is Modern Theology and Biblical Criticism. It was, okay, I forget. Now, it wasn't published in 1959. It was read. read he did it, it as a. For a university mm -hmm. discussion. In 1959, May of 1959? Okay. And that would have been a couple of years before he actually died. I mean, he died about. 63. Yeah, he died about four years later. Okay, so what was the big picture, John? What was happening in his world that he would have written this essay? Well, he talks about it in the very beginning, mm -hmm. that this yeah. essay arose out of a conversation that he had with the principal of the school. Right. I can't think of the name of it right now. That actually trains the Anglican clergy. Yeah. And uh, Lewis was concerned when he went to dinner with the principal. But he was speaking completely off. Right. At that moment, he was. The, yeah. The, it was after dinner. Mm -hmm. And he was like. He was loose. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he had had. Uh, as Probably. Lewis was frequently wont to do, mm -hmm. he had had some liquor mm -hmm. and was warmed up and was speaking about what it was he'd read in a book when the principal stepped out of the room right. after dinner. And Lewis was concerned by some of the liberal theological leanings of a book that he read. Right. And the principal said, I wish that you would share those views with my men right. who are in this training to become Anglican clergy. Exactly. Okay, so how would you say it speaks to us today? Well, What's the importance? What's the relevance today? The relevance. Why would you even choose it for today? absolutely central uh -huh. because what Lewis observed in his own time period has only become the status quo of our own. For the most part, the clergy in the Western world has now become, and even in evangelical circles mm -hmm. to a certain extent, yep. 
pervaded by the modern critical approach to the Bible. Mm -hmm. And Lewis was deeply concerned about it in his time. And it's only gotten worse since then. And I think we are, I think in here, here in Lancaster County, we are immune to it a little bit. Yeah, for a certain, and to I a think certain that's degree, for sure, and in the, the Bible Belt of yeah. the U.S. But I think here, because we have the Amish and the Mennonite, and most of the Christians here have come out of the Amish and Mennonite religion. Right, and they're very conservative mm-hmm. and not willing to entertain anything new in terms of right. biblical understanding. And that's right. not such a bad thing. Right, there's nothing wrong with that. Nope, it actually ends up probably the right view right. towards the scriptural reality. I know a lot of people say Lancaster County, <laughs> one of the professors at Lancaster Bible College, and when he came here, he said he felt like this was the rapture. He had he had, he had moved into the rapture. Oh, is it really? <laughs> that was one of my, Jenny just whispered the name of one of my professors at Lancaster Bible College. I shouldn't say the rapture. I should say the, the millennium. Yeah. <laughs> he, he When he moved into Lancaster County, he felt like this was the millennium. <laughs> you didn't have to ask anybody if they knew the Lord, because everybody knew the Lord yeah. here in Lancaster County. <laughs> yeah. It, it is a very evangelical mm-hmm. yeah. group of people. I would say evangelical or, for sure. Yeah, evangelical, but even... Even when you're not evangelical, there is the plain community mm-hmm. at one level or another yeah. that is extremely conservative theologically. Mm-hmm. And so we grew up in that, or excuse me, I grew up in that environment. Yeah. And right. I, I found it easy to come back to. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, the most reasonable view mm-hmm. of, of the scriptures, even when it's a matter of their being just simply closed-minded, mm-hmm. they don't always understand why they have the right view. Yeah. But holding on to the traditional, the traditional views mm-hmm. of the scriptures has actually been probably the most rational and correct yeah. view to and hold on to. Which has made Lancaster County so successful. Yes, for sure. Yeah. So if you are interested in living someplace where <laughs> it's like living in the millennium, this is where you want to settle. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it, that doesn't mean it's perfect, for sure. No, it's not perfect we have, in any way. We have way. our own critiques of the religious culture here in Lancaster yeah. County. Yeah, too much and neither even, you nor I fit into it very well, yeah, actually. Too much evangelicalism yeah. can be too much. Yeah. Okay, so, <laughs> okay, so anyway... I think if I read this, maybe this is what C.S. Lewis's reason was for this essay. He said, I expressed my reaction to the sort of theology it contained. My reaction was a hasty and ignorant one produced with the freedom that comes after dinner. One thing led to another, and before we were done, I was saying a good deal more than I had meant about the type of thought, which so far as I could gather is now dominant in many theological colleges He then said, I wish you would come and say all this to my young men. He knew, of course, that I was extremely ignorant of the whole thing, but I think his idea was that you ought to know how a certain sort of Christianity strikes the outsider. So that was his reason for writing it. Go ahead. Well, Lewis was deeply concerned Mm -hmm. about the trajectory of modern theology. Right. That it was actually moving towards undermining yeah. traditional Christianity. How it strikes the outsider. That was interesting because right. that made me think of myself. Right. 
you know, growing up where I grew up, which was not here. <laughs> yeah. I remember when mm -hmm. I was a young theology student mm -hmm. myself, they used to say that something hit the seminaries long before it came to the pulpit. Yeah. And yeah. then what came to the pulpit long before what came to the pew. Yeah. So the people were way behind where the oh yeah the theology was going. And in many ways, Lewis is saying, I represent those who sit in the pew. Yeah. I am not trained in theology. Right. But the theology that I'm reading about and that I'm hearing you express mm -hmm. concerns me mm -hmm. because it's not reflecting the Christianity in the pew. Yeah. And when you lose the people, you're losing everything. Because if you've got to present a false view from the pulpit and you're lying to your people yeah. about what it is you really believe. But, but extend that out to the outsider who's not even a Christian, who's on the complete outside. And that, right. You know, that even goes even deeper. Right. So there's a deep confusion running mm -hmm. through the whole Christian community that if we can't find some sort of central values around which to center, yeah. what message do we have to yeah, give to the world? Yeah, what are we giving to the world? Yeah. Exactly. Okay, so he introduces his credentials as, I claim to belong to the second group of outsiders educated, but not illogically educated. Right. I'm right. not a member of the educated class of theologians in the modern tradition of biblical criticism. Right. And so this essay was actually a speech, right? Yeah, a speech that he yeah. gave to modern theology students. He makes clear that his subject is not theology. And Lewis said that throughout. I mean, right. if you read Mere Christianity, he says, look, I am a lay person. I am not a theology student. I've not studied theology at any great depth. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, from my perspective... Yeah, uh, As well, a philosophy professor now, let me, let me, theology has become deeply corrupted. Right, let me read what he says here. Theology which denies the historicity of nearly everything in the Gospels to which Christian life and affections and thought have been fastened for nearly two millennia, which either denies the miraculous altogether, or more strangely, after swallowing the camel of the resurrection strains at the gnats of the feeding of the multitudes, if offered to the uneducated man, can produce only one or other two effects. It will make him a Roman Catholic or an atheist. What you offer him, he will not recognize as Christianity. If he holds to what he calls Christianity, he will leave a church in which it is no longer taught and look for one where it is. If he agrees with your version, he will no longer call himself a Christian and no longer come to church. Right. So the point is, yeah. if modern theology as you are being taught it, and, and he's speaking to theology students yeah. right here in this essay. At this, yeah. If this is the truth, then those people who are sitting in the pews who are Christians will listen and understand what you're saying and say, oh, then you don't believe this any longer. Yeah. And I'm going to go find a church that does believe it mm -hmm. because you're not preaching Christianity. Mm -hmm. Or... They'll believe what you're saying, and they'll become atheists. Okay, let's do another quote from his essay. The undermining of the old orthodoxy has been mainly the work of divines engaged in New Testament criticism 
The authority of experts in that discipline is the authority in deference to whom we are asked to give up a huge mass of beliefs shared in common by the early church, the fathers, the Middle Ages, the reformers, and even the 19th century. I want to explain what it is that makes me skeptical about the authority. Yeah, I love this essay for exactly that reason. Lewis refuses to simply bow down and accept the authority Mm -hmm. of the theologians of our era. After all that we have, after all that they've accepted. Yes. He's saying, look, let's look at this critically and see whether or not these claims that you're making Mm -hmm. really hold up to a rational investigation of the facts. Right, right, right. And why? He says, first, then, whatever these men may be as biblical critics, I distrust them as critics. They seem to me to lack literary judgment, to be imperceptive about the very quality of the text they are reading. Yeah, and this is absolutely central. Yeah. And this is why I found this essay so important as we look at at the the defixio. Yeah, and the JDB. The JDP theory and how that relates to this new discovery Mm -hmm. of the curse tablet at the site of Joshua's altar. And this is kind of that, in fact, is what it is. Yeah, and this is kind of the bridge between the two, right? The JDP and the Defixio, and the two are intimately connected. Yeah. And intimately connected to this essay by C.S. Lewis, who is seriously throwing into question the modern view of the scriptures. Yeah, I think you chose the perfect trinity (laughs) of subjects. Yeah. (laughs) Well, they certainly fit together. Yeah, you did. Like all the things that we have done Mm -hmm. on the Christian Atheist, it has seemed very clear that God's hand is involved in choosing the subjects the timing, I think, and all of the things that come together. In the, I said you chose it, but I think God chose yeah. the perfect Yeah, I time, didn't choose anything. The perfect time to show this to you. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so let's go over the points of this essay. There's four points that he stresses. Okay, those are one, lack literary judgment. Right, so the critics lack literary judgment. Two, one is to believe they can read between the lines. Yes, Three, attempts to reconstruct the genesis of the text it studies. Yep. And four, transitoriness of results of modern scholarship. Okay, I don't Do know you what think that that's is, good? <laughs> hopefully we'll get there and it makes okay, sense. Okay, you think yep. that makes sense? Okay. Yep. All right, so let's start with number one, the lack of literary judgment. Okay, we should probably let our listeners know mm-hmm. that I haven't actually looked at this for a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and Jenny looked at it, read it through, and we decided to do this no compromise on the basis of what she said as I'm about to launch once I'm actually, again into yeah. an investigation of this in relation to yeah. what we've talked about. I'm actually going to just read quotes and you're right. going to comment on them. Okay. Right? Okay. So the first quote, I think, is um, reminds me of our right and left brain studies lately. Mm. We've been reading The um, Master and His Emissary by Ian McGilchrist. Right. And it has a lot about right-left brain in it. Yes, and we've both enjoyed this immensely. We've mm. learned a great deal about the sort of biological basis 
for much of the distinctions that have been going on in our culture and the problems mm -hmm. that we're facing, that there's a reason right. why these things have occurred. Right. And then we got about a quarter of the way through and the library said... <laughs> it took our book from us. We had to return it. Because <laughs> there was a hole on it. So... So, we will get them. Yes, we'll get it back. And you know what? <laughs> Again, obviously, God has some reason for taking it away from us at this point yeah, yeah. and bringing it back at the appropriate point. <laughs> and now I'm resting in that yep. yeah. because he always does it at exactly the right times. Yeah. And I'm just trusting that. That's very true. I am a Christian with the searching and skeptical mind of an atheist. I don't want to believe anything that isn't true. I know both sides of the looking glass, and I know them with open eyes. I choose Christ's side. I invite you to join me from wherever you stand before the looking glass. That's this week's episode. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can have your religious cake and eat it too. You can have reason. Respect for science, a 21st century worldview, and be a Christian.